Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning. My name's Colin, and I'll be your conference operator today. At this time, I would like to welcome everyone to the Lakara Diamond 2020 Year-End Results Conference Call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there'll be a question and answer session. If you'd like to ask a question during this time, simply press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. If you'd like to withdraw your question, please press star, followed by two. Thank you. Ms. Ira Thomas, you may begin your conference. Thank you very much, uh, Colin, and welcome, everyone. Uh, thank you for joining Lucara's 2020 year-end results conference call. Uh, joining me from management today for um, uh, both presentations and Q&A is uh, Zara Bolt, our CFO. We have Dr. John Armstrong, our Vice President of Technical Services, and we also have Aisha Hira, our Vice President of Corporate Development and Strategy. I will be making some forward-looking statements throughout the presentation, so I do encourage you to review our cautionary statement at your leisure, which is available on our website. As we reflect on the year that just passed, uh, I feel a great deal of pride and gratitude for the collective efforts of the Lucara team in collaboration with the government of Botswana to keep our mine running and our workforce safe, 98% of whom are Botswana nationals. We have emerged into a much better business environment uh, in early 2021, the rough diamond market having recovered well despite the prevailing challenges of the global pandemic. While our operations continued on an uninterrupted uh, pace in 2020 and delivered production consistent with our plan, rough diamond prices plunged in the early stages of the pandemic and Lucara made a deliberate decision not to sell any diamonds larger than plus 10.8 carats after the first quarter. We also necessarily scaled back on our plans for the underground project and worked quickly to implement several operational changes to help drive down costs without impacting current or future ore mining or carrot recoveries. Despite these challenges um, that we faced, it was a record-setting year for the recovery of specials, that is, single diamonds in excess of 10.8 carats. And that included the beautiful 549-carat top white gem we have christened Tutunia in February of 2020, and a 998-carat high white clivage diamond that was recovered later in November. Throughout the year, a total of 34 stones in excess of 100 carats, of which 10 stones um, exceeded 200 carats, were recovered. And in recent developments uh, in 2021, the company was pleased to announce a strong start to the year with the recovery of two top white gem quality diamonds, 341 carats and 378 carats respectively, 
from ore sourced from the MPKS unit of the south lobe. Both stones were recovered unbroken. Back in 2020, we also negotiated and concluded two unique collaboration agreements with Louis Vuitton and HB Antwerp to create a high jewelry collection from the historic 1,758 carat Suelo, the largest diamond ever mined in Botswana, and the 549 carat Setunia, and I'll say a little bit more about that in just a moment. The global pandemic also became an important catalyst for sales through Clara, our unique, secure, web-based digital sales platform for rough diamonds between 1 and 15 carats in size. Clara's customer base tripled from 25 to 75 customers, and we are now maintaining an active waiting list. Importantly, Lucara went into this crisis with a strong balance sheet, with cash on hand, no debt, and access to liquidity. This afforded us flexibility with our approach to sales, and we made a deliberate and strategic decision to move away from selling our large diamonds through traditional rough tenders in favor of an innovative supply agreement with HB Antwerp for the highest value part of Kuroi's production, leading to regular cash flows and the opportunity to participate in additional revenue generated from the sale of polished diamonds. We feel confident that by refusing to sell our large high-value diamonds at low prevailing rough diamond prices, we have helped protect the prices for large high-value polished diamonds, and the result has been a sharp V-shaped recovery in prices for these goods. In terms of our COVID response, the Kuroi mine remains fully operational, adhering to strict operating protocols implemented almost a year ago. Positive COVID cases at the mine and in the nearby village of Leslakani have risen in relation to the New South African strain. However, we, may, we remain well below the national average for infections, and we continue to conduct regular testing and are satisfied that the safety protocols in place in relation to social distancing and hygiene measures are working. Unfortunately, we have recently recorded our first COVID-related deaths amongst our uh, one of our contractors, ever vigilant, we continue to regularly engage with our workforce and make sure they feel supported in all aspects um, of our operations. As I mentioned in my opening remarks, 2020 was another record year for the recovery of specials, or diamonds greater than 10.8 carats in size. Specials regularly account for more than 70% of our revenues, and as you can see from the chart in the lower right, we continue to recover these diamonds consistently, month by month, year by year. With time, as we have mined deeper, contributions of ore from the north and center lobes has decreased, and the mine plan has become more influenced by contributions of south lobe ore. South lobe ore, in turn, has a higher concentration of specials, which is evidenced by an increase in the annual cumulative production of these diamonds as the south lobe uh, dominates the production profile. The strong economics generated from our 2019 feasibility study examining the potential for underground expansion are based on continuing to access high-value south lobe ore on a 100% basis from the end of the open pit in 2025 to at least 2040. South lobe ore has been the source of many of our record historic recoveries, such as the Lissetti Lorona and the Suelo. 
The second of our two groundbreaking agreements with Louis Vuitton, the world's leading luxury brand, is highlighted on this slide. And Lucara, together with Louis Vuitton and HB, are collaborating on the planning and creation of a high-value polished diamond collection from Cetunia. And in line with its long tradition of personalization, Louis Vuitton envisages crafting a beautiful, bespoke, and made-to-order collection um, to create an unusual and storied uh, family heirloom. So this is an exciting opportunity for Lucara, and we will uh, and do expect um, under this agreement to receive payment uh, based on the polished outcome of Cetunia no later than the fourth quarter of 2021. <clears throat> Lucara's key growth project, the expansion of the Kuroi Mine Underground, continued under an $18.7 million rescope budget focused on de-risking the project schedule, procurement of long-lead equipment, and detailed design and engineering. Towards year end, the project achieved a major milestone with the receipt of a 25-year extension of the mining license at Karoi to 2046 from the government of Botswana, sufficient to cover the remaining open pit life out to 2026 to beyond the expected life of the proposed underground expansion currently planned to 2040. In Q1 of 2021, efforts will focus on the early civil works, detailed design, and engineering and procurement. Lucara remains actively engaged with a broad group of lenders to arrange a debt financing of approximately 150 to $200 million to supplement cash flow from operations that will fund the majority of the $514 million capex. This financing is expected to be concluded in the second half of the year ahead of full project sanction thereafter. Going on to the diamond market, I think volatility really characterized the rough diamond market in 2020, with rough diamond prices having been discounted by as much as 40% at the height of the pandemic. Fortunately, polished diamond prices did not experience a similar fate, and though demand for polish was initially weak when the pandemic began, towards year end, it became apparent that consumer demand for diamonds and diamond jewelry had recovered to near pre-pandemic levels and has actually been outpacing demand for other luxury products during the pandemic, such as fashion and luxury vacations, um, not surprisingly. And though our short-term outlook for the diamond market remains cautiously optimistic, our medium to longer-term view remains strong, particularly as we see global supply on the decline with the closing of Argyle this past year and several large producers now heading into their sunset years. As I mentioned in my earlier um, opening remarks, Lucara made a deliberate decision early in the crisis not to sell any of its high-value plus 10.8 carat rough diamonds after the first quarter at a time when heavy rough diamond price, pricing discounts were being observed by a number of our peer producers. Instead, we entered into a committed supply agreement with HP Antwerp beginning in July for this critical segment of our production. Under the terms of this arrangement, uh, initial, an initial price is paid 
based on an estimated polished outcome determined through state-of-the-art scanning and planning technology and with an ultimate true-up paid on actual achieved polished sales, less a fee and the cost of manufacturing. Um, this has provided us with regular cash flow from the most important, large, high-value segment of our production. It's important to note that revenues from shipments in 2020 um, will continue to be, uh, revenues from these shipments in, in 2020 will continue to be recognized in 2021, and Zara will be saying more about that uh, in a moment. I think also just to, just to mention that this agreement really has given the car exposure to polished sales of our highest value diamonds and we are, remain very encouraged uh, by these early results. We are currently considering an extension to this agreement and we will be updating um, the market in, in due course. Moving on um, to Clara, uh, the crisis really has become an important catalyst for sales through Clara where we actually managed to increase our customer base by 178% in 2020 and are now maintaining an active waiting list as we build out scale on the platform. Bi-weekly sales uh, on Clara continued throughout 2020, providing regular cash flows and good visibility into pricing trends in the market. Uh, we completed a total of 42 sales during the year generating $23.7 million um, by value. Uh, that accounts for more than 15,000 carats now sold through the platform. Uh, importantly, we did uh, begin sales of third-party diamonds in 2020, and that is a very important focus area for Clara in 2021 to meet the growing demand. And now I'd like to turn the call over to Zara Bolt, our CFO, to take us through a summary of some of our financial highlights. Zara? Thanks very much, Shira. Good morning and good afternoon, everyone. Um, I will be making some forward-looking statements, so would direct your attention back to slide two. Um, and all amounts uh, that, we will be that I will be speaking to are in US dollars. Uh, it's important to note as we go through our financials for the fourth quarter and the full year of 2020, that the change in sales approach for the plus 10.8 carat production under the HB supply agreement had the most significant impact on our results. With respect to the plus 10.8 carat stones sold through this agreement, for a number of reasons that I'll touch on in a moment, there are amounts that would otherwise have been recorded as revenue in 2020, which are now expected to be realized in 2021. We will discuss this and our sales channels in more detail shortly. Turning to our Q4 2020 results, we recognized revenue of $42.4 million, or $402 per carat. This includes diamonds sold through a combination of regular tenders, Clara, and through HB Antwerp under the supply agreement announced in July 2020. Adjusted EBITDA, which is a non-IFRS measure, was $10.2 million for the fourth quarter, and we recorded a net loss of $3.9 million. Cash flow from operations, also a non-IFRS measure, was two cents per share for the fourth quarter. Moving to slide 12, we have financial highlights from fiscal 2020. For the year ended December 31st, 2020, 
we recognized total revenue of $125.3 million, or $335 per carat. This compares to total revenue of $192.5 million, or $468 a carat in 2019. As mentioned, the year-over-year -year decrease is largely due to the timing of sales under the HB agreement, and revenue will continue to be recognized in 2021 as rough diamonds delivered in 2020 are sold as polished and top-up payments are realized. Revenue earned under the HB sales agreement is recognized on a net basis after deductions for fees and the cost of manufacturing, both of which are payable to HB. I would like to highlight that the revenue recognized in 2020 under the HB sales agreement is inherently conservative. This is because while Lucara participates in any upside from the sale of polished stones, the structure of the agreement requires HB to assume all downside risk arising from the manufacturing process. The new arrangement with HB resulted in delayed cash flows from operations, partly resulting from market weakness, COVID-related delays, and a slower-than-expected ramp-up in manufacturing and sales. Included in total revenue of $125.3 million is an estimate of variable consideration of $7.2 million for the top-up payments. This estimate is conservative as it just doesn't reflect the full value of the top-up payments owed, nor does it include an estimate for some large, high-value diamonds currently in the pipeline. Further, as certain large, high-value diamonds take longer to plan and manufacture, there's an impact to the overall average price achieved as smaller, lower total value stones and rejection stones are sold disproportionately earlier in the process. Lower revenue drove the decrease in adjusted EBITDA, a non-IFRS measure, to 18.4 million in 2020, as compared to 73.1 million for the same period in 2019. Net loss for the year of 26.3 million, or seven cents per share, compared to net income of 12.7 million, or three cents per share in 2019. Like adjusted EBITDA, the net loss for the year was most directly impacted by lower revenues. Operating expenses totaled 72.6 million, or $194 per carat sold in 2020. This compares to operating expenses of 77.7 million or $189 per carat sold in 2019. In 2020, we achieved an operating margin before royalties, depletion, and amortization of $141 per carat, or 42%. This compares to an operating margin of $279 per carat, or 60% in 2019. The 7% decrease in operating expenses results from con consistent continued operations in 2020, and includes our decision to defer approximately 2 million tons of waste mining to 2022 and 2023 as a cost savings measure in response to the uncertainty arising from the pandemic. For the year ended December 31st, 2020, operating cost per ton processed was $27.80. This compares to a, a similar metric of $31.88 in 2019, and it's 13% lower uh, than 2019. Positive impacts were felt from a 6% depreciation of the Botswana Pula against the US dollar and cost management in a year of uncertainty. In 2020, we insourced the process plant contract mid-year 
which also contributed to the lower operating cost per ton processed. This was partially offset by a 4% decrease in tons processed due to planned XRT upgrades completed in the second and third quarters of 2020. Operating cost per ton processed is a non-IFRS measure, and it's reconciled in the MDNA to the most directly comparable measure, which is calculated in accordance with IFRS, and that's operating expenses. Cash flow from operations per share, a non-IFRS measure, was four cents per share versus 15 cents in 2019. Our next slide looks at some operational highlights from Karoi in the fourth quarter. In response to the uncertainty presented by the pandemic, certain operational changes were implemented in the second quarter that resulted in significant cost savings without impacting current or future ore mining or carrot recoveries. In the fourth quarter, we mined 748,000 tons of ore and we processed 685,000 tons of ore, mostly from the south slope. We recovered just over 100,000 carats and we sold almost 106,000 carats. And we achieved an operating cost per carat sold of $205. Again, a non-IFRS measure. During the fourth quarter, we recovered 195 specials, which are single diamonds greater than 10.8 carats, including nine diamonds greater than 100 carats in weight. Included in this total were four diamonds greater than 200 carats, including one 998 carat stone. Moving to our operational highlights for 2020 on slide 14. For the year ended December 31st, 2020, operational highlights from the Kuroi mine included continuous operations supported by a workforce almost entirely comprised of Botswana nationals with implementation of new health and safety protocols to protect the health and well-being of employees, contractors, and our local communities ore and waste mined of 3 million tons and 2.7 million tons respectively, 2.7 million tons of ore processed, resulting in almost 382,000 carats recovered, achieving a recovery grade of 14.3 carats per 100 tons. Successful completion of planned XRT upgrades, a key component of the diamond recovery circuit, and insourcing mid-year of the process plant contract. We sold 374,000 carats and an average price of $335 per carat. Compared to 2019, this represents a decrease of 9% by volume and 28% by value. Specials recovered during the year equated to 6.7 weight percentage of total recovered carats, the fourth year in Kuroi's operations to achieve greater than 6% weight percentage of total recovered carats. The operating cost per carat sold, a non-IFRS measure, was $194, resulting in an operating margin of $141 a carat, or $0.42. Cents. Maintaining a high operating margin, despite the staggered realization of revenue under the HB agreement, is a testament to the unique nature and the value of the Kuroi ore body. On slide 15, we provided a table which sets out how we sold our diamonds last year. On this slide, we've set out for the fourth quarter and for the full year 2020, our sales through tender, on Clara, and through the HB sales agreements. Our most significant challenge in 2020 related to achieving our revenue targets in a very difficult diamond market. As Ira previously stated, deep pricing discounts were observed in mid-2020, as much as minus 40% for several months. 
by entering into the unique sales agreements with HB and removing a significant percentage of large high-value rough diamonds from the market, we help support the prices for these valuable diamonds, which contribute the largest percentage of our total revenue. Uh, almost 50% of our 2020 revenue came from diamonds sold through tender. However, only the first tender of the year included any plus 10.8 carat stones. A small volume of stones were sold on Clara, and beginning in April, all plus 10.8 carat stones were sold through the two sales agreements with HB Antwerp, whereby the high-value specials are being manufactured and sold as polished diamonds. It can take several months to analyze, plan, and then manufacture and sell the largest, highest-value diamonds. As a result, we expect to receive upside from stones delivered in 2020 when the polished diamonds are sold in 2021. The average price per carat sold under the HB agreements of $2,160 a carat in the fourth quarter and $2,822 a carat for the year is not representative of the ultimate value that we expect to achieve when the largest, highest value stones delivered in 2020 are ultimately sold in 2021. Also, please note that the specials sold in the first quarter tender influence the average price of $171 achieved in that tender for the year and are not part of the average price presented for the HB agreements. In the fourth quarter, we've observed a positive trend in the average price per carat sold as a result of increased sales under the HB agreement. The COVID-related delays which impacted manufacturing in 2020 have now largely been resolved and we're starting to see a reduction in the time between planning and polishing and ultimately final sales to the end buyer. On that note, let's move to slide 16 where we've set out our 2021 guidance. In 2021, the company's revenue forecast incorporates an increase in the proportion of carats recovered from the higher value MPKS and EMPKS units within the south lobe in accordance with the mine plan. Although we are seeing stronger prices and remain encouraged by the market for 2021, we continue to be conservative on our outlook for diamond prices due to the ongoing risk and uncertainty caused by the COVID-19 pandemic with respect to the diamond market. The assumptions for carats recovered and sold are consistent with achieved performance in recent years. The number of tons processed is also consistent with recent achievements, noting that actual tons processed in 2020 was lower than 2019 due to several multi-day shutdowns for upgrades within the XRT recovery circuit. Waste tons that were deferred in 2020 as a cost-saving measure are expected to be caught up in either 2022 or 2023. The estimated processing cost per ton process is lower than previous years, reflecting a combination of strong operating performance in the plant and insourcing of the process plant contract in mid-2020. The proposed underground expansion at the Crowley Mine has an estimated capital cost of $514 million and a five-year development period. An investment decision subject to receipt of all required authorizations and the arrangement of financing is targeted for the second half of 2021. The year one capital spend on the expansion program is expected to be 105 million US dollars. Until financing can be arranged and investment decision is made, 
Funding has been approved for the first half of 2021 based on the company's ability to fund the initial capital expenditures from operating cash flows. Like the 2020 program, the 2021 program will focus on early works, including detailed engineering and design work, with the objective of mitigating key risks related to the development schedule. Sustaining CapEx and project expenditures are expected to be up to $21 million in 2021, including expenditures associated with further upgrades to the XRT recovery circuit and implementation of body scanning technology to enhance security, which had originally been planned for 2020, but only received regulatory approval in the fourth quarter last year. While 2020 was an exceedingly difficult year in so many ways and for so many people, we were fortunate to be able to continue to operate without interruption, to be able to find innovative ways to not only protect, but also to maximize the value of Kuroi's unique production profile from continued sales through Clara, our first of its kind web-based digital marketplace for rough diamonds up to 15 carats in size, and through an innovative new supply agreement with HB Antwerp for our highest value diamonds greater than 10.8 carats in size. We also established a groundbreaking joint venture with Louis Vuitton, the world's leading luxury brand on two of our historic diamonds, which aims to extract even more value from the supply chain and help grow demand for our large, large high value diamonds longer term. As we look forward to 2020, we see evidence of a better diamond market. We will continue to focus on achieving operational excellence at Kuroi, obtaining third-party supply for Clara, and on completing a debt financing for the underground expansion. Thank you very much for joining our call today. At this point, I will turn the floor back to Ira. Thank you very much, Sarah, and I think um, we're happy to, uh, to take questions at this point. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll now begin the question and answer session. Should you have a question, please press star followed by one on your touchtone phone. You'll hear a three-tone prompt acknowledging your request, and your questions will be polled in the order they are received. Should you wish to decline from the polling process, simply press star followed by two. If you're using a speakerphone, please lift the handset before pressing any keys. One moment for your first question. Okay, your first question comes from Oliver uh, Grucock uh, from uh, Kreenberg. Uh, please go ahead. Hi, thanks for taking my question. Um, the $7.2 million when you expect to receive this? Sarah, do you want to take that one, please? Certainly. Um, we expect to receive it uh, in the first half of 2021. And again, Oliver, I would point out that that is a conservative estimate um, made in line with the accounting requirements. That's great. Thank you very much. And um, what does the, the waste profile look like on a tonnage basis to 2023? Sorry, the question broke up. Could you repeat it, please? What the waste profile look like on a tonnage basis for 2022 and 2023, please? Oliver is very manageable, but John, do you want to tackle that one? 
or Zara? Yeah, I think in in, in a general sense, um, the waste profile for 2021 is is similar to that of of 2020. Um, and for the, the next couple of years, 22 and 23, the rate, the waste profile does start to decrease. Um, along with our overall tons mined, we maintain the ore mining. I can, if you give me a second, I can pull up uh, the exact numbers. So maybe we'll carry on and all. Yeah, and just as a reminder, Oliver, we've we've completed all of the major waste stripping associated uh, with the remainder of the open pit mining. So uh, that was completed uh, almost two years ago now. So it's a it's a it's a pretty modest uh, amount of of waste tons. Yes, we did defer some um, in 2020 in order to to help drive down costs, but it was a relatively modest amount that we feel uh, very confident in being able to catch up here over the next couple of years. Yeah, sure. So the the waste uh, the waste tons mined going forward um, are in the neighborhood of uh, 3 million tons in the coming year, and then it drops to about 2.5 million tons for a couple of years, and then um, out toward the end of the life of the open pit, it's less than a million tons. So as Ira noted, we've we've pushed through the, the major component of the, of the cut to waste stripping, and now it's just uh, uh, maintaining the waste stripping to allow free access door, so no major plans for additional waste movement. Thank you. Could I possibly ask one more, if that's okay? Sure. The um, the 105 million for the underground is this. Sorry, the year one spend is this for the the year from the FID, or is this an estimated 2022 spend? And the um, how much of the previously guided 53 million budgeted capex is outstanding? Shall I take that one? Sure, uh, the hundred and five million um, is planned uh, for 2021. Um, we don't expect that to trickle into 2022. Uh, we had expected to spend uh, about 53 or 54 million on the underground in 2020. Uh, that budget was was rescoped and revised. Uh, we ended up spending 18.7 million in 2020. Thanks very much. Thank you. Your next question comes from Scott McDonald from Scotia Bank. Scott, please go ahead. Hey, good morning, everyone. Uh, thanks for uh, the update. Um, just a, a few questions for me. Um, maybe starting um, with Clara, Ira, um, can you share any sort of early feedback you've gotten from the uh, the third party sellers you've got on the platform now? Yeah, um, it's actually been really positive. I mean, we, we just started selling third-party goods in, in 2020. Um, we had a plan for a number of trials in 2020, which were necessarily deferred through the pandemic. Um, pleased to say that uh, we have got um, a number of those now back on track. So we're in discussions and, and, and advancing and feeling you know very confident that we uh, we'll get additional trials going here this year, but the feedback um, from the third-party sales through the platform um, in 2020 
uh, was uh, was very positive. So it was a good experience. Okay, great. And so I guess in terms of allowing, you said you have a wait list of customers. I guess you're you're waiting to to get some more third party supply on before you add add more customers. Yeah, that's that's key for us now, Scott. You know, if there was a silver lining in the in the pandemic, it was it was Clara. Um, the pandemic became a real catalyst for for sales through the platform, and um, you know we're now at the point where the existing supply of minus 10.8 carat diamonds from Karoi um, really is is insufficient to uh, continue to. Uh, meet the demand that exists on the platform. So it is going to be important that we add that third-party supply in, in 2021, and we are making good progress on that agenda. Um, and, uh, you know, we really think this is going to be a very important year for Clara. We're at an important inflection point for the platform and the feedback on both sides, both, you know, from our, our new seller and uh, and from our buyers has been consistently uh, encouraging and positive. Gotcha. Okay. And then um, maybe just a couple on the uh, the HB agreement. I just just want to make sure I understand this correctly. So the um, you've you've recorded some revenue for about twenty thousand carats sold from the HB agreements cumulatively through twenty twenty. Is that is that all of the carats that will be sold from that initial agreement? Not notwithstanding if you extend with them. And, and so is it only just the top-up payments remaining, plus part of which you've recruited for? Um, or are there more carrots also to be added to that 20,000 total? Zara, do there you want to take be, that and then I can jump in? Sure. Um, there will be more carrots um, added to that uh, total, Scott, uh, for deliveries made in uh, November and December, where we will receive payment um, in 2021. So those are part of our 2021 um, revenue guidance, our production year runs from November to October. Okay. And and when will we, uh, like, will all the true, when do you expect all the true up payments and all the final payments be received? I, I think you said by the end of the first half of the year, the 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 2020 HB agreement will be totally closed out? Yeah, I think that's, that's fair. Certainly we're seeing strong sales um, uh, through that agreement. And so hopefully those uh, those sales will, will continue at the same level and um, that uh, revenue will be recognized earlier rather than later. But yes, definitely within the first half of 2021. And then just a, a quick one, that just to confirm, the, the Setunia and the Suelo uh, sales proceeds, that's, that is included in your revenue guidance for 2021? Yes. Yes, there is okay. some estimate included in that. Um, Again, conservatively. Sure. Um, thank you. And then just a, a last one for me um, on the, the debt. Uh, so I think you said you're looking at 150 to 200 million of project debt for the uh, underground project. Could you just walk me through how you sort of arrived at that figure? Like what, what factors you considered when uh, deciding that's the right amount? 
Sure. I mean, so we we looked at um, the length of time of the build. It, it's five years is a fairly long build, um, and $514 million is um, the estimated capex. Uh, we looked at the cash flow that we expect to generate uh, from the open pit to uh, the end of its life in 2025-2026. And then we looked at um, what would make sense um, to do from a, a, a gearing perspective. So that uh, we are intending to use uh, the cash flows uh, from the open pit as our equity. Um, at this point, we are, are not expecting to have to, uh, to do any further external financing other than the debt. Uh, one of the advantages um, with the capital program is that those expenditures are deductible in the year that they are incurred, so they reduce our tax rate effectively to zero uh, for the term of the build. Um, what else can I say? Yeah, we, we think it's a, a pretty decent ratio. Um, we've uh, as we mentioned in the, the presentation, um, due diligence has been progressed with a group of potential lenders, and we do expect uh, to complete a financing uh, by mid-year. I think, Scott, just to highlight that the, the, there's a conservative assumptions around uh, revenues and, and just as a reminder that you know in the economic model um, and how we've modeled it, we have taken out all of our larger um, highest value diamonds uh, from the economic model. So any any diamonds that we recover like that, you know, obviously diminish the need for for borrowing. Um, uh, but of course, we can't predict exactly when we're going to get those. But those have been removed from our our estimates. Okay, great, thank you. And then just just the last one on a similar topic. Um, I believe your credit facility. Uh, is maturing in the first half of the year. Is this, is this going to be sort of rolled up into the project debt financing package in terms of um, maybe refinancing that, or, or is that a separate item? Yeah, no, ultimately we would expect it will form part of the uh, project financing package. Okay. Okay, great. That's, uh, that's it for me. Uh, thanks again. Thanks, Scott. Your next question comes from Paul Zanimski uh, from uh, PZDA. Paul, please go ahead. Hi, everyone. Um, I just have a question on Clara. It sounds like it's progressing nicely, um, but looking a little bit longer term, I guess very gen. Um, did I lose you guys? No. Nope. Could you guys hear me? No, nope, okay? we're here. Okay, sorry about that. Yeah, yep, I had an interference on my end. Um, yeah, but looking at Claire, I guess a little bit longer term, I mean, where do you think you could be from a third-party commission revenue standpoint, you know, in say three years? And even if you can give an indication of where you think the commission business could be as a percent of uh, total company revenue, that would be really helpful. Yeah, listen, Paul, I mean, I really believe um, that, you know, this is the way the world is, is going to go. Um, we can see that digitalization efforts um, are ramping up um, everywhere now, um, for, for some, and including the larger diamond companies. And what Clara presents, of course, is a completely unique 
approach to digitalization because it's not just digitalizing existing sales processes, it's completely transforming them and creating a more efficient supply chain. So in our initial kind of estimates for Clara um, and our five-year plan, our, our goal was to ramp up um, and, and take, you know, uh, a conservative 10% um, of global market share getting you know, just between a billion and, and a billion and a half uh, dollars worth of transactions. That's kind of like the five-year plan. And I think what's, what's really important to point out that the technology is completely scalable. Um, so we're, we're ready to go. There's no additional uh, commercialization efforts or inve significant investments that are required in order to accept um, uh, you know that, uh, or or manage that, those levels of, of transactions, and so it's really uh, about you know introducing um, our peer group of producers and secondary market sellers uh, to Clara and giving them the opportunity to to trial it. So we think it can go quite quickly once we we get those trials moving. And based on the early feedback we got uh, in 2020. Um, we were very encouraged, and we just have to really uh, continue to, um, to to kind of push that agenda for 2021. Uh, the demand is there. Um, we know we can ramp up on the demand now quite comfortably. The feedback from you know the 78 buyers that are on the platform right now is, you know, we love this. We just need more. So. Um, you know, that's ultimately where we're going. I think that 10% of global, um, you know, uh, market share is actually quite conservative. I think we can do better than that. But as a reminder, under our sort of business model, if we can if we can ramp up to sales to that level, you know, we will start generating cash flows through Clara, which are very consistent with what we're generating uh, through our mine. So it's a it's an exciting opportunity. Um, and it's, you know, low operating costs. It, it has the potential to be an important growth avenue for Lucara longer term. Brilliant. That's, uh, that's great to hear. Um, and just one on the debt financing. Is the current, you know, super low global interest rate environment helping you guys, you think, relative to where we were, uh, you know, a year or two ago? Can you just maybe provide any comments on, I guess, the interest rate environment and the timing of, of the financing? Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's I. Good uh, Ira, do you want to take that one? Or? No, go ahead, Zara. No, I was going to say, okay. go ahead, Zara, and maybe Aisha wants to jump in there too. Mm -hmm. Um, I I don't think the the interest rate um, environment is having much of an impact in terms of the availability of capital for us. It it will certainly help our cost of capital, um, but in terms of the availability, um, I don't think that's had. Um, too much of, of an impact. Um, and yeah, I think we're, we are expecting kind of mid-year this year to be in a, a position um, to execute on that financing. I should, did you want to jump in on anything there? Sorry, no, not a lot more to add. That's, um, that's good summary, Zara. I think, uh, you know, we're encouraged by the diamond market right now, Paul, and I, I think that's um, uh, definitely uh, put us on a good track for financing uh, completion, as Zara pointed out, for, for the second half. Got it. Okay. Thank you very much. Your next question comes from Daniel McConby from 
Rossport Investments. Daniel, please go ahead. Yes. Good day, Irene, everyone. Um, thank you. Hi, uh, I just, I was, hi. Uh, I was just in trance. I just want to make sure I got the, the numbers right. It, the, so the, the plan for 2021 is to spend $101 million on the, uh, on the underground. Is that? 105. 105. Okay. So that's back end loaded, I'd imagine, simply because you wait. But I just, I guess the, the concern would be that it, uh, you start spending uh, that money um, uh, in anticipation of getting the debt financing. And then for uh, whatever reason, the, the debt financing gets postponed, something happens or whatever. I guess um, just how are you just managing that risk that, that you don't start uh, spending until, those, until that, that money is actually locked up? Dan, it's definitely back-end loaded, but uh, I'll maybe turn it to Zara just to okay. say a few words. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I we've we've worked a lot on the schedule. Um, certainly, as as soon as the financing is available, uh, the team is ready to go. There are, you know, the, the the team has done an incredible amount of of really great work over the last. Um, I guess it's been sort of 12 to 14 months since the feasibility study came out, in terms of progressing and, and de-risking the project. Um, we've done a lot of due diligence up front on the, the technical aspects of the project. And so we we should be able to execute fairly quickly um, on the debt financing. Um, we expect to have sufficient cash flow from operations in the first half of the year, really to manage that, um, that spend schedule. And um, and be be ready to roll when when the financing's in place and our board has made a formal investment decision. Okay, well you understand my concern. I just I just when you, you, things go along, you have a schedule. You can order these lead time items, and and then you then you um, and then you, that you you don't. I'm just hoping you don't uh, press. I, I don't think you will, but I'm just the concern would be you press buttons to to make major commitments, and then something gets postponed and puts you in a Put you in a in a cash situation where you where you have to raise equity. So I'm just um, it's a tricky year. And so yeah, I just um, yeah, that, Dan, rest, rest rest assured that you know we're working this very closely, and we've got a very seasoned board that's been involved in many big capital projects. So they are also um, on this and watching it very closely and. We think we've got a, a very manageable plan, and you know we we certainly you know despite 2020 being a challenging year and and you know having to scale back kind of our plans for the underground in 2020, we were able to use that time I think to really um, uh, make a significant kind of improvements to the execution plan and strategy. And you know the plan that we've got going forward, we think is 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 a good one. I, I should point out that the very you know this is a brownfield expansion project. We're not building building a new mill. Um, you know we're using all of the existing site infrastructure. So you know the big capital spend is in relation to shaft sinking, and so really it's about getting everything prepared and ready to go to begin that major contract, which will prevail over you know, the next five years. So, you know, I don't want to suggest that it's it, that it's simple. Um, there is a lot of moving pieces, and we do have to be very careful and kind of managing 
uh, the schedule and plan and making sure that we're hitting kind of important milestones. But at this point, um, you know, we use the time in 2020. We've had continuous engagement with a, a broad group of lenders. Um, and, uh, you know, as uh, Zara pointed out, the, the diamond market has improved pretty dramatically since we began those conversations to where we are now. So there's a, a high level of interest and engagement, uh, I would say, um, with our lending group, which is great to see. So we're feeling very confident in being able to uh, put this all together and get going in earnest in the second half of the year. Okay, thank you. Is there any, um, what is the biggest lead time item that might be uh, coming up? This, the shaft is the big thing, that's not really a lead time item, but is there any big piece of equipment, et cetera, that are in the plan um, for 2021? John, do you want to jump in there? Yeah, thanks. The The way we managed uh, 2020 was getting the orders in for the, the truly mm -hmm. long lead time items. So, in terms of shaft muckers, um, some of those are actually available now. They've gone through the procurement. Um, the, the big ticket items relate to um, the completion of the refurbishment on the on the winders, uh, which is staggered throughout the year for final delivery of those permanent winders uh, toward the end of 2021. Mm -hmm. So it's not that there's a, a significant one-off payment <clears throat> related to any of the long lead time items. Okay, great. Thank you very much for a good answer. Thank you. And then we, and then the other, you know, the procurement will be starting on the head frame steel again to show up toward the latter part of the year. Ladies and gentlemen, as a final reminder, should you have a question, please press star followed by one. Okay, it appears there are no further questions at this time. Please proceed. Okay, well, thank you everybody for, for joining us today. I think just to sum up, um, you know, we're feeling very uh, optimistic of, of where we've, you know, the market that we've emerged into in 2021. Uh, the outlook looks a whole lot better than it has uh, for several years for the diamond business. You know, Lucara is a high margin asset. We've got uh, a lot of years ahead of us. Uh, arguably, the most valuable part of the ore body is, is you know, yet to be accessed. So we are excited about the growth prospects for the organization, both in terms of the underground expansion and with Clara. And, um, you know, we're feeling uh, good about uh, making significant progress on both of, of, of those projects in 2021. So thank you very much. And uh, we look forward to, uh, to speaking with you next quarter. Thanks, everyone. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes your conference call for today. We thank you for participating and ask that you please disconnect your lines. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. 
Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.